This is the Honey Badger Diaries episode 29. My name is Anna Verim. I interview Bitcoiners about whatever I feel like because it's my podcast. I'm recording this on the 24th of April 2020, which means the intelligent lockdown has been going on for exactly one month in the Netherlands, I think. So I've been on intelligent lockdown for one month. Don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with the boring life of someone in lockdown today. Although I did start reading Snow Crash, as I um, mentioned yesterday. I'm two chapters in now. But more importantly, those of you that are keeping an eye on the Bitcoin death mailing list may have just seen an email pop up with the description Revolt, a multi-party fault architecture. That's a design by Darosior, whose real name is Antoine Pansois. I, I probably didn't pronounce that like a Frenchman would, but hopefully close enough. And Kevin Loac. Again, I probably didn't pr- pronounce that like a Frenchman would. But uh, Kevin, you might know as uh, one of the organizers of Breaking Bitcoin, Building Bitcoin. Uh, and he's the CEO of Chainsmiths as well. So they designed a multi-party fault architecture, um, you know, meant f- to store Bitcoins and to stop thieves from stealing these Bitcoins. Kevin reached out to me a couple of days ago, asked me if he could come on the podcast to talk about it. Well, the podcast was not really about Bitcoin so far, but I just sort of changed I just pivoted to talking about whatever people feel like, which would include Bitcoin topics. So it's going to be a Bitcoin topic for a change. I think that's all you need to know. Oh, I didn't mention, I'll quickly mention that you can find all of the episodes so far on the honeybadgerdiaries.com. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron Van W and you can find the podcast on Twitter at THB Diaries, or you can shoot me an email on the honeybadgerdiariespodcast at gmail.com. So let's get to the interview. One last thing I should maybe notice that the interview was sort of cut short. Not really. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. But um, I do all my interviews over Zoom. And apparently if you don't have a premium Zoom membership, you get booted after 40 minutes. So we, we were booted after 40 minutes. I think it was enough. Other than that, I guess I'll just start the interview. You'll hear my intro tune and then the interview will start. These are the Honey Badger Diaries, the Honey Badger Diaries. Guys, welcome to the Honey Badger Diaries. Kevin. Kevin and Antoine. Kevin, you're in Lisbon? Yeah, I'm in Lisbon right now, uh, where I've been based for the last like three years. And uh, yeah, probably going to stay here for a while. What's going on in Lisbon right now? Um, Lisbon is really nice right now, actually. Um, the weather is good, so it's starting to be the nice season, and we don't have any tourists because of uh, of COVID, so it's pretty empty, and that's nice. Um, and uh, yeah, um, on this topic as well, like we can still go outside and stuff, so but that's good. You know, we're not we're not completely stuck at home. Um, sure, all the businesses are closed and stuff, but uh, but we can go walk in the park or whatever. Yeah, so it's the same as in the Netherlands. Antoine, where are you? I'm in France, in Lyon. What's are you? You can't go outside, then I think, right? Are you totally locked down? Or? Uh, 
not totally, but we have to request an authorization to, to go outside and we have to to get a motivation like to go to go to the shop or otherwise you, we, we can't. How do you get that? Who, who gives permission or what, how does this work? Uh, you got to print a, a paper actually and you have to fill it with your names, the duration of uh, how long you, are you getting outside and for what reason. That sounds so crazy. And do you, what kind of, do you get a fine if you're outside without this paper? Do they check for it? Yeah, they, they did a lot of checks and they're pretty proud of it. Actually, they, they claim to have done a million checks. A million uh, checks. Since the beginning of the, the lockdown, yeah. And it will end by the 11th of May, I think. Well, that's what they're saying right now, but we'll have to see, of course, yeah. They just extended ours to the 21st of May, but um, I think they're going to open schools soonish. but that doesn't really make a difference to me since I don't go to school. What about um, building on Bitcoin, Kevin? I guess that's off. Um, yeah, so on that topic, um, I left the organization last year after the event because I... Um, I pretty much didn't have time. Um, building on Bitcoin and breaking Bitcoin take like six months full time of my time and it's voluntary. So at some point, you know, you need to make money and make a living. And uh, so for me, it was, a, it was a little bit too much of my time. So um, Leah is uh, still um, handling everything. But yeah, I think she was lucky this year that we didn't announce anything uh, yet. Mm -hmm. And there was no commitment. Uh, as far as I know, there was no commitment on the venue or anything yet. So when, as soon as the COVID started happening, we're like, you know, probably there will be no event or at least not in the foreseeable future. Um, so very lucky on that side. Yeah. Not like most of the other events who already had lockdown the venue and stuff because this cost a lot of money. So. Yeah, that's, that's what I, uh, what I heard from our team. Was there a location that you did for building? Is this secret? Um, I've heard a few potential locations, but yeah, I'm not involved in the decision process, so I can't uh, I can't tell you about it. All right. Well, so you guys built something. First, tell me, are you a company? Is this a startup? What's the story here? Um, yeah, I can tell you about that. So for now, um, the whole project. Um, so yeah, it's a complicated story, but my personal interest in Vault um, started only last year when Brian Bishop uh, published his email on the mailing list. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting concept and way of thinking. Uh, so quickly yeah, so after that, a, I- It's a false uh, idea to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so uh, quickly after that, I started engaging with him a little bit on Twitter, uh, proposing a few different ideas uh, um, because yeah, there was some limitations and some attacks around it. But anyways, I didn't go much further than that. Um, and in the end of the year, I, um, I hedge fund uh, reached out to me, uh, well, to my company, ChainSmith, um, to actually like architect a solution for them to be their own custodian um, while in a multi-stakeholder situation. So there are four people in the company mm -hmm. um, and they have two active traders that move funds from exchanges back to their company and stuff like that. And they wanted a way to be able to, you know, have a decent security 
um, within you know their, their own funds without having to rely on a third party like most uh, funds do. And so I started working on that in the end of the year, like December. Um, and quickly after that, um, I started to reach out to other people who could help me. And uh, I reached out to Antoine and his company called Leonard, um, who then, um, like I reached out to him actually to help me build out the prototype and figure out you know, the deep technical uh, details about the architecture. But uh, then Antoine helped me uh, with the architecture as well to you know, tweak a few things. So um, yeah, on, on this side right now, it's still a project that's you know, completely open source. It's out there um, and there is no owner of it as such. Um, it was delivered you know, as an open source project to our clients. Um, but right now, yeah, we are considering making it a product because um, it's just an architecture. It's just a prototype. Nobody can really use it today because, you know, it's just Python code. It's not secure and it's not designed to be secure right now. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to look for other people or companies that could support us um, either as like, you know, sponsors or whatever for building the, 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 the implementation or setting up a separate entity like a spin-off of our companies um, just to focus on that. Right. I'm not sure what the best um, order is to tackle this in, but let me let me just give it a try. What was wrong with the? Why didn't they just use Brian's fault design? It's a single-party architecture, and uh, our is a multi-party architecture. Okay, is this the main difference? Is this the main benefit that it can be used by multiple people at the same time? Yeah, mm, maybe I can let uh, Kevin explain this one, but yeah, yeah that, that's the main difference. It's a, it's a lot of things in the way it's designed. Um, yeah, so one of the, one of the difference is, um, is that also when, like it, on the Brian uh, implementation, you have to know how much funds you're receiving before setting up the vault. Um, because you're already pre-signing the spending transaction and then you delete your private key. Mm -hmm. So on our architecture, you don't need that. Um, the vaults are just addresses that are generated in advance. Um, so any, uh, any money you receive is already behind the vault, right? You don't need to know in advance uh, how much money you're going to receive. You can already give an address to whoever, to an exchange, for example, and whatever amount you receive, it's in the vault. Um, so that's a major difference, and it's very, very important uh, in a business situation because you don't necessarily know how much money you are safekeeping right yeah um yeah okay so let's get into how it actually works then to understand this would it make sense to start with how brian's design works and then get to yours or do you think it would be better to just start with yours and forget about brian's altogether it's quite different so i think it's better to to get straight to to ours because okay. uh, really a lot lot of differences okay let's do that then so explain to me how it works it's a vault we're we're with four people let's say three the three of us we want to hold our money safe somehow right mm -hmm. and we want to stop people from stealing it what do we so, do uh for from a, a high-level viewpoint, it's a, a, an architecture that uses pre-signed transactions and revocable transactions. So we call it revolt. So the revoltable transactions. And so 
let's take Noya, uh, <laughs> the company who hired uh, uh, Kevin to make uh, to make this architecture, and uh, which I coded the demo implementation for. Okay, sure. So the, there are four stakeholders so of the company, and two of them are traders that do day-to-day -day management of funds, and they might uh, send some Bitcoin to some exchanges or whatever. So how it works is uh, any of the stakeholders uh, give an address to uh, to receive uh, some bitcoins to uh, to anyone. Um, as uh, when uh, they uh, receive the the coins, they pre-signs five transactions. Um, so or four. Uh, there is the emergency ones. So the emergency transactions directly spends from the vault. Uh, which is uh, basic, basically a four-up for uh, multisig, and and pays to a time-locked four-up uh, for multisig with uh, other keys that are static keys and always uh, the same. While for vault transactions, we can uh, generate uh, other keys. Um, uh, this one is presigned and shared between the stakeholders uh, in order to revoke. Uh, if there is something nasty going on, they can always broadcast the emergency transactions, which locks funds um, to, to to a deep vault. Um, then, so, hang on. Yeah. So this this transaction is time locked. Is that what you said? Yeah. And then, who holds the keys to the addresses that it's sent to? Just the, the same, same folders. The same four. Yeah. Yeah, but the, since they are not intended to be used, they can be, for example, stored in a, a physical safe uh, in different uh, locations and ought to be uh, to be accessed. Okay, the idea behind these addresses is that they're extra extra secure and maybe also harder to reach. You can't spend from it easily. They're somewhere in the world and. Yeah. behind thick doors or whatever with yeah. there, is, there are both the time lock on bitcoin and outside bitcoin because it takes time to access those keys yeah so that's a, that's the emergency transaction yeah okay um then there is a uh, a world transaction chain to be able to spend from the vaults so the we're going uh, to use segwit transactions of course and uh, starts by signing the, the last one of the chains, which is there is another emergency transactions for the what we call the unvolting transactions. So the one which initiates the spends. So this one pays to either the four or four of the same vault, so the same keys, and so it can uh, another emergency transaction can be used, or it pays to the two traders after a small time loss, so like uh, one hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there is two transactions here, which pens the involved transactions. The emergency transactions, in case uh, there is something nasty and you are in, in the middle of involving a vault, you can still spend the, the broadcast emergency transactions with spends from the involved one. And there is a cancel transactions in case uh, the this uh, traders broadcast uh, an involved transaction to spend the vault, and one of the stakeholders doesn't know about the spend, and 
by prevention, it will broadcast uh, the cancel transactions, which cancel the the unvault to to another world. Finally, uh, after <laughs> sorry, uh, finally after uh, the yeah, hang, hang on, hang on. So we've had emergency, and we've had now had this spend from uh, the false, and this the idea here is that if not all four stakeholders agree then any of them have already have a pre-signed transaction to send the money back to the vault yeah so there is only one way to spend from the vault it's by broadcasting the unvaulting transactions since uh, there is no the, the transactions which is signed by the four parties so the only way to spend it was to broadcast uh, the unvaulting transactions which will reach uh, maturity of the time lock only if all the stakeholders uh, agree about the spend. And so the spend is represented as, a, as what we call the spend transaction, which spends from the unvault and which has to be shared among the stakeholders and the trader should advert advertise they're willing to spend the unvault uh, before. Right. There are a few more tweaks, but that's a general idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to add something. Um, so the difference with a normal four out of four um, is around the business operations uh, or at least you know operations in general so the pre-signed transactions so all the four out of four pre-signed transactions are signed when or after some funds have been received so when you receive funds uh, nobody can spend them first you need the four stakeholders to pre-sign the emergency and Cancel transaction or uh, revolting transaction, and the unvolting spending transaction. Right. So these these transactions are already pre-signed and shared between the shareholders, uh, the stakeholders. Sorry. Um, but then, when uh, the traders or whoever um, actively needs to move the money, um, need to spend a transaction, you don't need to wait for the four people to agree with you. That's mm -hmm. the whole point. Uh, the whole point is not to have to annoy every stakeholder. Um, every time you need to spend some money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for Noya, it was only two people. So if these two people agree on the destination address, then um, you can broadcast the transaction. But, uh, and that's what Antoine was saying about, you know, the four people need to agree. Um, when only two people sign to spend the transaction, you have a time lock. During this time, any of the four people can trigger the emergency or the revolting uh, transaction. So that's like, that's like if you want approved by default, um, but if something go wrong, uh, you can trigger revoca uh, revocation. And, and that can be enforced by uh, watchtowers and things like that because they're all uh, pre-signed transactions. So you don't need to be a human being just checking every transaction all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it inverts the, um, what's the right word? The permissionlessness, per permissionless, permissions who give the well you know what i mean it inverts that yeah yeah so you still you still need to have the four uh, stakeholders to pre-sign the transaction at the beginning so you cannot have funds that are received and spent without somebody knowing about it um, as soon as they are received they are unspendable until the four people have pre-signed the transaction so that's also important um, it, it cannot bypass the four signatures at some point right and we do this check at the beginning instead of uh, at the end, like a four out of four would do. Yes, exactly. 
And um, a big point of using this is also, and uh, which we can easily forget, is that it re reduces the, the incentive of actually trying to, to steal or to attack uh, the stakeholders. Like uh, if it was only uh, for, for multi-sig or another uh, multi-sig scheme, from the point of view of a seed, you're just like, okay, I got the four keys, I got a Bitcoin and I can just spend it. With the architecture, even if you attack one stakeholders or even uh, many of them, the, uh, the, the network uh, can be watched, uh, can be externalized. And so uh, emergency transactions can be broadcast from anywhere and in the case of uh, the broadcast of an emergency transaction all the uh, the wallets of the stakeholders and all the watchtowers would broadcast all the uh, the emergency transactions of all the vaults thus blocking the the funds for one month uh, without possibility to even get it um, even in the real life it, the kids are being safe like in in, in a bank or not uh, so it's it really reduces the incentive of an attack. Yep. So is this you've coded this up? Is it is it ready to be used? What's the status of it? Uh, so um, the architecture is almost final, I think. So I am going to write a post to the mailing list to get some feedbacks from other other people from other Bitcoin developers so maybe we overlooked something or anything so we can't be sure but uh, the state of implementation is i made a, a little toy implementation a, a demo which doesn't even have a, a user interface but which against which i run some te some functional tests so it works but maybe we overlooked something so we can't know for for sure until then right so you've ha you've mentioned this one this this traders uh, trading desk or how do we call this company? What what are other good examples of companies that could use this? Oh, um, that's a good question. And so for now, um, we haven't pushed the idea down to like individual use, like for a single person. Um, but pretty much for any multi-party situation, uh, this is better than anything else that is used today. Um, so that works, for example, for exchanges, um, like replacing their current cold storage, for example. Um, that works for ATM operators who need to move funds between ATMs. Um, you can have a lot of different, you know, checking of like, are the addresses really owned by the ATMs and having the watchtower do that. Uh, and having some, you know, time locks in force, which is doable when you are refilling ATMs uh, for Bitcoin and stuff. Um, it works for, I mean, pretty much anything, like any company who would have Bitcoin as an asset, like for example, I don't know, my company, uh, Chainsmith doesn't do any kind of trading or anything like that, but we could have some Bitcoin as an asset somewhere. Um, and it's better to have this kind of architecture where, I don't know, the CEO, maybe can spend the money um, without having to ask everybody about it, but still having some um, sanity checks doable by like the CFO or whatever. So pretty much 
any institution would benefit from using an architecture like that. But uh, can I add something? Yeah. Uh, so the but we still assume uh, that it will be used by uh, an institution or a company because we don't protect against, uh, for example, against bad willing of one of the stakeholders like uh, ref uh, the refusal of signing, uh, which will just not put the fund at risk, but just uh, block the operations or key deletion. So we assume that uh, the user will be a company which already has uh, agreements between the stakeholders. And so they can, this can just be another uh, agreement which can be enforced by a legal system outside of the Bitcoin network. Yeah, right. Do you know, are there any exchanges or any companies that are using faults right now? Because the idea is not that new. Yeah, you're right. Um, so the idea of vaults is not new. The problem is that there is no implementation so far, at least no, uh, you know, production ready uh, implementation. All we have is prototypes. Um, also, they are not very practical for different reasons. Um, I think the state of the art so far was Brian's implementation, which, as I said, you need to know before receiving the funds, you need to know the amount um, and you pre-sign all your derivation tree depending on the amount. So that's not very practical. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I guess that's the main reasons. Uh, another one is that it's really hard to deal with advanced scripting on Bitcoin. Um, and it doesn't have to be really advanced. So we're using, you know, OpCSV, uh, check sequence verify. <clears throat> and even that um, is not supported by PSBT, is not supported by like Bitcoin Core if you want to do your transaction manually. It's just, it's a nightmare to deal with, you know, basic opcodes just because nobody uses them. Yeah. So what's your, um, what's your timeline, you think? When, when will we see stuff like this in use? Um, another good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, what do you need it? What do you need? What do we need? I think we need well time, so we can build it, right? Um, but we also need people, so we can build it. And to get the people, technically, you need money somehow. So that could be, yeah, that could take a lot of different forms. Um, we do really, really believe that this would benefit pretty much anybody in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, so probably we will see more like strategic type investment, like maybe exchanges helping us fund this research or something, or at least this implementation. Um, and if not, um, getting some VC funding just to see how far it can go. I mean, there are a lot of companies like BitGo and Chain Capital and a lot of others um, that have a business out of, you know, two out of three multi-sig um, and they are making money. So I guess it makes sense to try to you know, push the game forward and increase the, the level of security you can offer. Um, now, yeah, of course, it really depends on, you know, how, how can we, yeah, how can we push that idea forward? Um, so far, we've been talking about maybe, I don't know, 12 months to be able to build a proper production-ready implementation. Um, so, yeah, it's not something you can deliver in a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like one of the big challenges for Bitcoin still, right? Securing big stashes of coins. 
So we need something like this. When are you gonna post this to the mailing list? I think I'm going to do this tomorrow. I, yeah, I'm, I begin to, to think about what I'm going to write to make a summary, so yeah. I think tomorrow is, is me. Okay, let's get back to the design one minute. What would an attacker need to steal in order to steal the coins? Like, what's all the stuff he would need? Um, the, uh, the first private keys of uh, the stakeholders. So just like the, uh, with this, you can bypass the whole architecture because uh, you don't need pre-signed transactions uh, anymore. Um, the four, the four private keys from the emergency deep vault. In this case, you can make, try to make some vaults broadcast one of the emergency transactions and then make all the others broadcast all the emergency transactions. And after one month, get all the, or there will be a race between you and the stakeholders to get back funds. Wait, would it be a race or would it be like an RBF battle to, to infinity? Um, the, uh, the emergency transaction, um, I think the, if I, if I stole the, the, the private keys from the emergency deep vault and I spent from it after one month, I would not signal for RBF. <laughs> so I think it's just, just a race between the process. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, still up to miners in the end, of course, whether or not. Exactly. Yeah. That's a race to the mining. Yeah. And yes, uh, you will have to make all the other stakeholders accept to spend to an unauthorized address. But yeah, I can't see really how. So that's why we are posting to the mailing list to, to get some feedback. So also to, to see some other point of view. Yeah, I'm only just thinking out loud myself. With Brian's first design, one of the things the attackers could do is just steal the key and then sort of wait until the unvault transaction was broadcast by the original uh, owner. You sort of yeah. hide in the bushes. That's not possible here, or? So we have the same issue, but we solve it with a cosigning server. The cosigning server doesn't have any, uh, like doesn't add any risk but the cosigning server is making sure that a spending transaction can only be signed once. So at least you hope the server is enforcing that. Uh, if it doesn't, again, that's a race condition. Um, but yes, yeah, so the idea, and, and it works for Brian's uh, implementation as well. So, so who, who, what is the signing server? Yeah, that... okay, so, so let's start with Brian uh, implementation. So in, in, in Brian's vault, the funds first go to like the hot wallet, and from the hot wallet, then you can spend it to uh, wherever you want, right? Um, the thing is, um, before the hot wallet can spend it, there is a time lock. So in the meantime, if you see funds going to your hot wallet and it's not you who triggered it, you can put it back in the vault. Um, but if this time lock expires, then anybody with the private key of the hot wallet can spend the funds wherever. Yes. So that's the race condition between who, between like, let's say Brian or whoever owns this vault and the attacker would spend first uh, after the expiry of the, um, uh, of the time lock. So in, a, in our architecture, 
uh, how we solve this is that the spending transaction from the hot wallet uh, equivalent we have uh, needs to be broadcast at the same time as the unvolting transaction it's spending from. Mm. So we ensure that way that the time lock is enforced or at least visible, like the transaction is visible for the duration of the time lock for all the stakeholders. So at least we enforce that there is a revocation window. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the Bitcoin network will mine this spending transaction. So somebody could broadcast at the exact block where it expires a competing transaction. Mm-hmm. So to avoid that, we have a server, a very dumb server, that only that, that needs to co-sign every spending transaction, but will only do it once per UTXO. So mm-hmm. that means that the transaction that the stakeholders will see when we broadcast at the same time the parent will be the only one signed to spend from it. So sadly, it's not perfect. What if this server goes offline? Well, yeah, it's... It- then, then the funds cannot move, like they are locked, right? Which is better than being stolen. Um, but today, yeah, so that's not perfect because if the server, let's say, signs whatever you send it without enforcing this rule of only once uh, per UTXO, um, then we're back to the same problem of the racing condition. And today we don't have a way of enforcing that on the blockchain yet. We don't have check and play verified. So without something like that, yeah, we, you know, we, we can't really, we can't really enforce that uh, a, a transaction will be signed only once. So this is our solution to it. Right. And, and who owns the signing server? You guys or someone else? Who no, like gets the plan there? No, it's self-hosted and non-custodial. So the uh, the company deploying the architecture will deploy a co-signing server and, for example, another server which will hold the the signature for all the stakeholders. So for them to share them and to to make sure they use the same fee rate for all the transactions, otherwise the signatures are not valid. So yeah, there are some servers to to set up for the company to use uh, the architecture. Right. So speaking to the amateurish nature of this podcast, Zoom is telling me that we're running out of time. The reason is that I haven't upgraded to the premium version. And there's more than two of us in this in this uh, meeting. If there's two, we can go on unlimited time. But apparently, we only have seven more minutes. So seven more minutes, guys. What, ne- what else do we need to discuss? What's important? Uh, the fee rate. Now? The fee rate was a fun part because as always with the pre-signed transaction schemes, if you sign the whole transactions and it can't be changed afterwards, you have to make a bet on what the fee rate will be if you need to broadcast the transaction. Mm-hmm. So to, to work around this, we used for all the revolting transactions, the two emergency one and the cancel one, we used we leverage the fact, the fact that uh, there are one input and one output and use the single-single uh, anyone can pay. So since there is only one input and one output, we are not subject to, to the bug. And this uh, allowed to, allows to, have, to be able to add another input and another output in order to bump the fee rate uh, at the moment of broadcast. So all these stakeholders will share signatures. So in, this introduced a bit of uh, 
as like uh, stakeholders don't have the same transactions anymore, but they have to they share signatures with Sigash, single Sigash anybody can, can pay. And once they got the signatures of all the other stakeholders, they append one with Sigash all to avoid uh, other malleability and to avoid a simple attack which, which would uh, allow anyone to decrease the free rate by appending another input and output which is unbalanced. So, yeah, and if there is need, they can uh, add another input. Right. This is not the, the, the new SIG hash output, is it? Or is it? No, no, this is uh, uh, available with today Bitcoin, so we right. made the choice of not waiting for anything. This is SIG hash single and anyone can pay. Right, okay. All right. Well, it sounds interesting. This is this is one of these things I need to. I'm I'm the kind of guy I would have to see it written down to be honest to to sort of really analyze it. Uh, maybe people who've been listening <laughs> are better at just figuring it out on the go. But um, something like this is definitely necessary. We need better security, especially for exchanges, especially for big big fund holders. So yeah, I'm looking forward to your death list post. Um, in the meanwhile, I've uh, I've uh, written about it in the readme of the demo implementations. So mm -hmm. it's a demo. It was really well documented. So there is a doc directory with the, the structure of all the transactions, uh, all the fields of all the transactions, and a readme with an over, uh, overview of the architecture all right well we have three more minutes kevin what do you expect of the happening uh well well um i did expect a big party here at the block um because we have you know this big terrace and it's really nice here yes but um yeah i don't know if um if we will be open by then i don't think so and i don't think we will uh we will uh, want to have a lot of people partying either um so yeah yeah, we were going to have our own happening meetup as well, happening party in Amsterdam, but uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to cancel that as well. Yeah. Well, they're, they're unlocking the country for kids now, so we were thinking maybe a happening party for kids. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought about that, no. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, maybe Udi will, uh, will do a VR party or something. So I just got my headset uh, installed yesterday, my uh, virtual reality headset. So yeah, we might Bitcoin do something VR online. VR. We might do something online with the Bitcoin show, which is All our right. podcast. And also the Bitcoin magazine is also doing some kind of live stream. I don't think it's VR. It, it's just a live stream. And yeah, of course, maybe Udi will be doing something. Antoine, what about you? Any plans for the happening? um i think we'll be still in lockdown by then so maybe online yeah all right zoom is telling me less than a minute sorry guys i didn't i didn't um think about this i i kind of i didn't really know although i had this once before so i could have known but yeah if i'm in a, me a meeting with more than two people it gives me a maximum time slot of 40 minutes so I guess we'll have to call an end because it's telling me less than a minute. Thanks for being on, Kevin, Antoine. Thanks, sorry. Right, thank you. I'm looking forward to the email list, uh, dev list email, I should say. And um, good luck with the project. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks a lot. Cheers.